1: With the time for talk and speculation at its end, the moment has finally come for 2015 to begin as our beloved kick off the year hosting their most hated rival in the Green Bay Packers. Will the Fox Face era get off on the right foot or will it stumble out of the gate? SB Nation's Evan Western joins us on the week one preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Well, folks, it is finally here. We are on the eve of week one. As I sit here recording this show, the Steelers and the Patriots have officially kicked off the 2015 season, and we are a mere, what, 72 hours away, 96, however you want to put it. Uh, You know, I don't know what the math is exactly, but we are several hours away. It's days instead of weeks. It's not months or anything like that. Because I remember one depressing, one depressing thought that I had during the summer was like, hey, only 17 more Sundays until football starts or something like that. Just, It's finally here as the Bears and the Packers will kick off the 2015 campaign and a brand new era. Of Chicago Bear football as John Fox and Ryan Pace lead the charge for the organization. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the Week One preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. So this is kind of like the official season premiere of the Chicago be- uh, the Chicago Bears review season number nine. Number nine. I wonder how many of you out there have been with me from the beginning. It's uh, and it you would be the the most loyal of the loyal considering that I've had, like, four or five host sites since I've started uh, producing the show. Had that that free mypodcast.com was where it first started, and that folded. You know, i I actually, this is my second time with Podbean, and I I went over to uh, Podomatic for a while. You know, anybody who's followed me around knows that I haven't been easy to keep up with at times. But if you're with me, and you have been with me since we kicked things off in 2007— I thank you. You are the reason that I am still doing this today. And you're the reason that I'm pushing myself to try to make the show a little bit more than it has been by, you know, like today, for example. We had Evan Western from the Acme Packing Company on SBNation.com here to talk Bears Packers, uh, talked a little bit about the rivalry, uh, Mike McCarthy's interesting comments. We'll talk about that. Uh, as well Uh, not to mention the impact Jordy Nelson's injury will have not only on this game but on the Packers as a whole going into 2015 so we covered a lot uh, with Evan I just finished my conversation with him about 15 minutes ago so here I am recording the remainder of the show for you guys and uh, you know so excited to finally get this underway Um, Alshon and Eddie Royal and Marquise Wilson have all been practicing this week. Alshon has been limited, uh, still bugging him with that calf injury, or at least they're not giving him a chance to re-injure it in practice at least. But it seems like Eddie Royal and Marquise Wilson will be ready to go, so we won't be starting the game uh, against the Packers with our fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers uh, taking the field to start the uh, football game. So we might actually get more of an honest look at our offense when we take the field on Sunday, considering that will this will be the closest that we've had to having who we want out there on the field when the Bears play, considering Alshon did not play a snap during the preseason. Eddie Royal missed uh, at least half of it. Marquise Wilson missed three-quarters of it because he went out early in the Indianapolis game. So the passing game hasn't exactly been exciting because the guys that we plan on having catching passes out there this year, haven't been out there on the field. So it's been uh, difficult for the Bears and, and Jay Cutler in particular uh, to kind of build any kind of chemistry with his receivers, even in practice. Because when you're injured, you're not practicing, you know. So um, we will see. It'll be very interesting uh, at the very least. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, as, as a realist, if you will, uh, can't really pick the Bears to win this thing now I mean I I went in in the pick'em leagues the confidence pick'em leagues that I'm in I, I did pick the Bears but I only put a one point you know the lowest point you can give the Bears is what I gave them just because I you know I would like to think that John Fox is going to kick off his era with a victory I mean and th- th- there really couldn't be a bigger one to start with not like uh Tressman, who granted beat a playoff team in his first game uh as head coach but it wasn't it wasn't the Green Bay Packers that he beat, so I think it would be a hell of a stamp for John Fox, a way, a hell of a way for him to introduce himself uh, to the NFC North and to Bear fans uh, by beating beating Green Bay uh, on Sunday. I think that would just be uh, fantastic. But if you if you sat here and asked me who's going to win the game, I would I would have to go with with Green Bay just because it's. Uh, you know you've heard me say it before you'll actually hear me mention it again uh when i talk to when when uh, when i play the the interview with evan is that you know you take preseason with a grain of salt it's not everything that it's cracked up to be but it was hard to ignore the difficulty that the bears had not i mean they didn't really have any problems moving the football because we got uh you know at least a handful of field goals out of the first string offense but getting into the end zone uh was a problem and um you know, it, literally the first time that we score on Sunday, if we cross the goal line against Green Bay, it will be the first time that our starters have done it this year. So that's, uh, that's an interesting and frightening stat to think about, not to mention the new look Vic Fangio 3-4 defense hasn't exactly been impressive, at least not when the starters have been out there. When the, when the second and third string guys, most of which were not on the team anymore, when they were out there doing their thing, they were shutting people out, providing the widest point margin in the entire NFL throughout the preseason. So we'll, see, uh, we'll take that for what it's worth and uh, see, if, uh, see if that can translate into anything once the regular season finally gets underway. So only have a couple of things to talk about before we get to the Evan Western uh, interview. Um, the most interesting thing that I think that's coming out of, uh, of Hallis Hall this week that doesn't have to do with the injury report is the fact that the Bears, unlike last year, elected their captains this week. Um, John Fox says that there will be six captains on the team, five that were elected by the team. So those five guys will be the captain every single week. And then John Fox each week will nominate or elect somebody captain for that week. So when they go out for the coin toss, you'll have your, the five regular captains and the honorary captain for the week going out there uh, to greet our opponents. Uh, On the offensive side and in special teams, not a lot of surprises here. Uh, Jay Cutler, Matt Forte, Robbie Gold are your offensive and special teams captains. On defense, I think it's very telling um, as to
0: VR training platforms, like
1: the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.:
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/metaverseImpact. who the bears chose, the players chose. Uh, number one was Antro Roll, not a big surprise there. Ten-year veteran, basically going to be, like, the captain of the, uh, or, you know, the 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 chief of the uh, defense back there in the secondary. He'll probably be making all the calls uh, for the secondary in that safety uh, position. But most surprising, our fifth captain is Pernell McPhee. Not Jared Allen, not, uh, you know, not Jarvis Jenkins, not even, uh, you know, God forbid, Shane McClellan. Or anybody like that, but Pernell McPhee, a guy who just joined the team, but um, you know, hopefully he will be worth every penny that the Bears are paying him, and he'll be what 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 he what he showed flashes of in limited in backup duty for the for the Ravens. Still had like seven and a half sacks coming off the bench behind Suggs and Doomerville. and now he gets a chance to to prove to the world that he was he is worthy of a starting starting position and worthy of the contract that the Bears paid him. And he's your fifth captain. I thought that was very interesting to see that, um, you know, it wasn't a guy like, like Jared Allen or maybe even, I mean, I know that he's not playing yet, but a guy like Jeremiah Ratliff, uh, you know, a veteran, uh, the anchor of the defense is going to be playing nose when he comes back and, and so on. It was actually Pernell McPhee. I thought that was very interesting. A guy new to the, to the organization. I mean, Antra Roll is new to the organization as well. But Antra Roll is a 10-year veteran. Pernell McPhee's only got about four or five years uh, under his belt, if that. So I just thought it was interesting that Pernell McPhee, your ca- and f- not the rotating captain, but the guy that will be on as a, will be a captain every single week throughout the entire uh, 2015 season. And then, of course, like I said, Fox will nominate or elect that sixth captain to go out for the coin toss each week. So that I think was the most interesting thing was the Pernell McPhee choice to be a captain. Uh, for the team and I think that's that's got to also kind of uh, give you a little optimism that a guy new to the team has made enough of an impression that his teammates have voted him uh, a captain to be a leader and a representative uh, for the team so I would probably expect that uh, you know you'll see Kyle Long on that list uh, before Long Uh, you know actually I probably expect him to be one of the guys going out maybe once or twice this year uh, for that uh, coin toss I mean he's just one of those guys that, uh, you know, will probably be a captain for this team at some point uh, during his, uh, his career. So on the injury front, uh, Alshon Jeffrey was limited in practice uh, so far this week, but basically everybody is out there. Uh, Marquise Wilson, Eddie Royal, um, Eddie Goldman has been, uh, has been out there as well. Uh, uh, Jimmy Clausen, even though he's obviously not our starter, Both uh, Goldman and Clausen were under concussion protocol, have been cleared. We're practicing without limitations uh, this week. So it seems like we'll be full go for just about everybody that we want to have out there on the field. So haven't heard much about Kevin White and what kind of progress he has been making. Um, But, uh, you know, you guys thought that Lovey was cryptic with his injury reports. John Fox is starting to take that to a brand new level. I mean, he is absolutely not giving anything away. <laughs> you know, it's got to be frustrating for the for the beat writers and the reporters. Uh, but you know, I guess John Fox is is a is a real strong believer in that whole competitive advantage thing because he's not giving anything away on uh, on Alshon Jeffrey and his status uh, for Sunday. So all we know is that he's been limited in practice. He hasn't been full go yet. So. But, uh, you know, chances are Alshon's going to take the field, and I, I would probably put him as uh, whatever the the one that says he's 75. I always get them mixed up. I know doubtful means you're only 25%, but if it's, you know, probable and whatever, whatever the other ones are, I always get them mixed up as to which which one is 50% and which one is 75. But the 75% one, that's where I would think Alshon's going to be as far as the injury list when it comes out uh, uh, later this week. So, I, I anticipate that Alshon is going to play, barring some kind of disaster in practice, I think that he'll be ready to go uh, for Green Bay. And and there was a rumor, actually, and I wanted to, th- this was the other interesting thing that came out of, of the camp this week. There was a rumor that Alshon's injury, um, not so much that it was faked, but the fact that it's taken him so long to get back, may have had something to do with the fact that Alshon wants an extension because this is his this is the last year of his rookie contract, and he's looking to cash in and make some money uh, next year. and And maybe he was trying to force the issue about uh, playing this season and basically saying that uh, you know maybe my calf continues to bother me until I have a new contract. Uh, Alshon vehemently denies uh, the rumors. I mean, there really hasn't been anything to feed the speculation of such but it was just something that was kind of thrown out there that a calf injury would would linger as long as it have almost four or five weeks he, he misses the entire preseason uh and so on and then here we are going into week one against green bay and it's still not a hundred percent that he's going to play on sunday like i said it's probably heavily on on the side of yes i am playing but it's not a slam dunk like you would think from a calf injury that occurred a month ago so take that for what you will Alshon says it's not true he's going to play out the year and uh, hopefully it's a good one like he's had so far in his career with the Bears and uh, we give him a nice little extension to uh, a nice little hometown discount to stay home in Chicago and catch touchdown passes until he's old and gray so those were the two big interesting um, news things that came out of uh, Halas Hall this week Other than that, you'll hear me mention another interesting one in the uh, in the open of the of the interview with Evan Western heard that uh, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the king of Wisconsin as far as jersey sales uh, were concerned. And uh, Evan Western had some interesting thoughts uh, about that. So uh, I'll let you guys. uh, Well, you know, tell you what, let's just go ahead and and get to it. It's uh, it, you know this is the preview. This is what the previews are going to sound like this year. Uh, I already have Jess Root from RevengeoftheBirds.com uh, to talk about the Cardinals next week. It got him lined up to be on the show next week as well, or at least he says he can do it. Uh, we're just got to get a time uh, pinned down in order to uh, put it together. And I've also talked to um, talked to uh, talked to the SB Nation writers for the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm going to be able to get one of them on the show for week three. The Raiders and the 49ers, who are our Week 4 and Week 13 opponents, the only people I haven't been able to nail down. So we might have to have uh, Ron Rugg from Football is America join us to be our, like, our alternative to those SB Nation writers so we have somebody to talk about the Raiders and 49ers. So been trying to get somebody from the Raiders. Uh, even Ron, who's had everybody from SB Nation and such on the show, said he had the most trouble from those Bay Area teams. So I guess no big surprise, I'm having trouble as well, But we, we got Jess Root, we got people from uh, from the Seattle SB Nation page as well to be on, and I've also, you know, we know we got our NFC North guys on, including Evan Weston, who we're going to talk to here in a few moments, uh, Jeremy Reisman, and uh, Chris Gates from uh, Minnesota and Detroit, uh, respectively, and I've gotten confirmation and, um, you know, feedback from the other uh, writers for the other teams, except, as I said, of course, san francisco uh and oakland so we got 14 out of our 16 games locked up with people for us to talk to on these preview episodes and jeff dickerson said he would come back for the bye week show uh week seven so we got that locked up uh as well so let's go ahead and get into it the preview bears packers and my talk with evan western from acme packing company of sb nation (laughs) All right, and here we are with the week one preview of the Bears and Packers. Packers coming to Soldier Field. Uh, I just saw the other day that the record between these two teams is 92, 90, and 3 in favor of the Bears. So, Evan, we welcome Evan Western from uh, Acme Packing Company from SB Nation back to the show um evan if you guys sweep us this year we're at a dead heat uh when and the sad thing is about 20 years ago we had like a 30 game lead on you guys in this uh in this rivalry but uh thanks to Favre and and rogers we, you guys finally seem to be ironing that thing out
0: yeah hey uh, and thanks for having me on again and um don't don't think that fact is lost on us packer fans we've <laughs> been uh we've been talking Talking about that a little bit over at Packing Company this week and, and looking forward to hopefully, if all goes well, evening up that uh, that all-time series in, in the next several several months here. So fingers crossed that, uh, at least on our end, that that happens.
1: Right, yes, and I hope that it doesn't. So at, at least one time this year to, to hold that off for as long as we possibly can. But um, wanted to start things off here um, just before we get to the game and all that fun. Uh, I just was just reading an article before we got started. Uh, the NFL leader in jersey sales for the state of Wisconsin, where your beloved Packers reside, is a Chicago Bear. None other than Matt Forte, number 22, running back for the Bears. And you say that you have a
0: theory behind this. Well, let's face it. There's only so many people in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> and there's only so many times that you can buy an Aaron Rodgers jersey. So... My theory is that everyone already has Aaron Rodgers jerseys, and the only people buying any jerseys at all in the state of Wisconsin are the people down in Kenosha who somehow are, are misguided on which side of the border that they're on. So uh, I would guess, my, my theory is that 95% of the jersey sales in the state of Wisconsin are taking, pl- taking place in Kenosha County, and that's why they're all Forte jerseys.
1: I see, I see. Okay, because Forte is the leader in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Nebraska. So he's a he's a three-state leader uh, at this point. I think a Rogers has uh a Rogers was in charge of Wisconsin and also Iowa where I currently reside. So and that's that's no joke. I see that jersey all over the place. So um anyway, so that was interesting reading that and uh seeing that uh you know Fortes number 1 in Wisconsin at least for now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so That's just wanted to throw that, you know, just so the Bears have something over the Packers (laughs) going into this thing because, you you know, I'm as much as I'm looking forward to the start of the season and and getting this thing underway for real because the preseason either showed us uh, a a nightmare that the Bears have ahead of us or they showed us completely nothing in Fox and Fangio and and Gase are all just kind of laughing quietly, you know, rubbing their hands together, thinking that they're going to shock the world when they come out uh, to Soldier Field uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about the preseason. How, how did it go for green Bay?
0: Well, finished the preseason two and two had a couple of, um, solid performances. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that we can take away from, uh, this preseason for green Bay is that the backup quarterback situation for once is stable, that there's confidence in, uh, or there's a reason to be confident in the guys backing up Aaron Rodgers. And and that's kind of a nice weird feeling for Packers fans. For the last several years, I mean, it's kind of been a revolving door ever since Matt Flynn left the first time. Um, you had a you know cycling through guys like Graham Harrell and then the Seneca Wallace experiment and yeah, all that stuff was a mess. And now you got a guy with with Tolzien who reports said that there was at least one or two teams looking at him as potentially competing for a starting job. I I still think that uh, that report was referring to the Cleveland Browns personally, but <laughs> I don't have any uh, I don't have any evidence to back that up. But. Right. Um, but, yeah, you got him coming back. He's, he's really done a great job developing his mechanics under McCarthy. Um, certainly looked like he's got a very a very good command of the Packers' offense now, uh, much better than it was two years ago when he first came in and, and had to start a couple games in relief of Rodgers and, and Wallace midseason. And then you saw Brett Hundley, the fifth-round pick, uh, come out in a couple of games and look fantastic. He um, didn't play so well in the second game against Pittsburgh, um, actually, was at that game and, and nobody played well, but I think everybody was was really down about the Jordy Nelson injury in that first drive. But um, he he played fairly well uh, against starters in the Philly game, um, and then he he played very very well against uh, the Saints in the, the final preseason game. So there's definitely some reason to be encouraged. Um, I think there's questions about the defense certainly. Um, Philly Philly eats up everybody in the preseason just because there's you know, there's so little scouting that goes on and. Right. Chip Kelly's offense is. So I, don't, I wouldn't expect to, to see the, the Packers starting defense look in the regular season game like they did in week three of the preseason. But certainly there's, there's a concern there. Um, and then I think the biggest thing that everybody was worried about for most of the, the preseason was injuries. He had David Bakhtiari missed a couple games in the left tackle. Uh, Clay Matthews was out early, missed the first two preseason games. Um, but it looks like everybody for the most part, um, save for Jordy Nelson obviously with, with the ACL, and um, you got some questions about Randall Cobb messing his shoulder up a little bit against Philly, but aside from those two, um, and and I think Morgan Burnett's the only other one who's banged up. But aside from those guys, everybody's coming in healthy. Uh, the whole offensive line looks ready to go, and uh, certainly it seems like uh, the, the Packers are are ready to get off to a good start this year.
1: Okay, now how much is lose? I mean, because that's basically Rogers' go-to guy um, in in the offense, or at least in the, 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 the two games a year that I get to watch, Jordy Nelson is absolutely everywhere. Um, and most of the time, he's wide open by at least 20 yards. So um, hopefully that's something that the new defense that we're bringing uh, to the field on Sunday can help us with. Um, you know, how much is Jordy Nelson, you know, being out of the lineup going to hurt over the long haul, not just so much against this, the Bears in his first game? And is James Jones the answer, or is he going to be backing somebody else up?
0: Well, Nelson's certainly going to be sorely missed. the The relationship he's got with Rodgers, those two seem like they're, you know, they're they're talking to each other with ESP or something at times. And and the way he can make those catches along the sideline and, and tiptoe and get his get his feet down, uh, staying in bounds is is really an underrated skill I think of his. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lose a little bit of production there. Um, I think you're gonna see the team lean on Eddie, Eddie Lacy a little bit more than they would have otherwise. Um, just to, to take a little bit of the pressure off the receiving core. But you've got a second-year guy in Devontae Adams who's really started to come along. Um, he, he had some great games down the stretch last season, had that great performance against Dallas in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, by all accounts, uh, from, from training camp and then from the off season, Adams has just been uh, phenomenal um, so far this, this year. So we'll see what happens there. He'll certainly be starting on one side. Um, Cobb, once he gets back healthy again with that shoulder, um, I, I expect him. He'll he'll still be playing the slot most of the time, especially when the when the Packers are in those three wide receiver sets that they like so much. And then on the other side, it's it's a good you know it's a good question to say you know who's actually going to play out there, whether it's going to be James Jones, uh, like you mentioned, just brought back from New from uh, New York, or they they really like the third round pick Ty Montgomery. He's really stepped in and taken charge of of his role in the offense and and learned everything really really quickly. Um, and he's, also, you know, he's looked really good in preseason action. And, and the fifth receiver, Jeff Janis, you know, what sort of impact can he have? He was, you know, he's, a, he's a big, fast guy. He's very much kind of in the Jordy Nelson mold, uh, physically at least, but he's got a lot of catching up to do on the mental side of things coming out of D2. Uh, when he was a rookie last year, so mm-hmm. there's there's certainly weapons there, and everybody brings a little something different to the table. But my gut says that Jones will probably get um, most of the starters reps at that that second outside wide receiver position uh, when the Packers are in three wide. You'll probably see if they go two wide, you'll see Adams and Cobb most of the time. Um, they'll they'll probably split Cobb wide, but um, yeah, I think Jones Montgomery will get some snaps as well, and you'll see Janice maybe you know ten or fifteen snaps a game early on. I think is probably where, where they're looking at you know, mixing him in, send him on some deep balls. So, so, yeah, I think Jones will be the guy. I think you look at a realistic ceiling for him, maybe like 40 catches, 500 yards, something like the numbers that Adams had last year as the third receiver is probably what you're looking at out of Jones.
1: Okay. Um,
0: uh, that's that's kind of where I'm leaning. I think Adams and, and Cobb could very well be the, the pair of 1,000-yard receivers like they had last year in, in Cobb and Nelson, though. Um, Adams is a little different kind of a guy. He's actually very much more in the James Jones mold. Uh, similar size, similar speed. Um, he's going to be a, a good possession, you know, short to intermediate routes, and he's going to be a, a good red zone target, I think. You know, he can he's capable of being real physical with uh, with the football, going up for um, you know for fades and, and high pointing the ball is, is definitely one of his strengths. So um, yeah, you know, anytime you you lose a Pro Bowl receiver. Um, you know, a guy who got you 1500 yards last year, it's a big loss, but it's not like losing an ace in baseball. That's kind of the analogy that we've made. It's, you know, you're, you're replacing all of that production. If you lose your number one starter, you're going to replace all those starts with your sixth best starter here. You can divvy up those balls to, to your second and third and fourth options. It's not quite as big a deal as that. So, so while there'll be probably a, a little bit of a drop off, um, I do think you'll see a little bit of a different philosophy on offense, a little more use of the run, um, a little more use of Lacey, and, and even Richard Rodgers as well in the passing game.
1: So, I mean, I, I was watching the game when when the injury occurred for for Nelson, and it's it's probably one of the freakiest things I've seen in the fact that you can watch it a thousand times and not see when the injury actually happened because there wasn't any contact it wasn't that he took a helmet to the kneecap or he he stepped awkwardly and you see you saw his leg give or anything you see him jump up to make the catch you see him land and then he automatically pivots right into the ground because that's the moment that it happened so i mean it's probably one of the freakier knee injuries i've seen in the fact that it didn't look like he hurt himself
0: yeah and and being there at heinz field when it happened um you know, you kind of you saw him get make that I think it was like an eight-yard out route or something, and he you know he makes the catch and he, he lands and you know he kind of it, it honestly looked like he just slipped on the turf, and so when he kind of came up hobbling, it's like okay he you know he just kind of turned his ankle or something a little bit, and you know he'll get back to the sideline and come off for the next couple plays and he'll be back out there, and then you know you didn't see him uh, for for a couple series, and so I figured all right well they're probably holding him out because his day is probably done, and then by the time he gets to halftime, people are starting to speculate, and I'm getting text messages like, did, did you see what happened to Jordy? It's like, oh, crap, no, you know. So, so the reaction was, I, I think it was kind of had a ripple effect throughout the, the entire team for that game. I think everybody, once they kind of figured out what happened, um, I think the, the entire team was, was kind of down, and, and that kind of accounted a little bit for the the poor performance a little bit in, the, in that game. But, yeah, it's it's weird. You Like you said, it's... There, it's very tough to pinpoint um, exactly where, where that injury occurs. The only thing I can think of, there's, there's a writer at Cheesehead TV, another one of the good Packers blogs out there, who uh, kind of broke it down, and, and it was really all in the plant of that leg when he's trying to push off, and it's kind of at an awkward angle. That's about the only thing that they can think of that that's what did it. But, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, you certainly don't like to see a, a guy like that who's, who's by all accounts, a, a great guy on and off the field. Um, you never like to see him. Uh, go down with a with an injury like that but he's you know jordy's definitely the kind of guy who he's gonna he's gonna put in his all all, you know throughout his rehab um he'll certainly be around the team all season long um kind of giving his expertise to the young receivers so um yeah he's he's definitely not going to be gone he'll be missed on the field but certainly off the field he'll be present
1: right and um you know i i posted uh on facebook right after i saw that it happened and it was like you know as a bear fan i'm you know, I, I don't want to use the word celebrate, but that's, you know, kind of like um, maybe I guess relieved would probably be the would probably be the better word that we don't have to. I mean, of all the things we have to worry about against Green Bay this weekend, Jordy Nelson is not one of them. But as a football fan, you hate to see that happen to anybody, regardless of what team they play for, especially in his case where, I mean, you don't even see the knee buckle or, or anything like that. There, it wasn't obvious that it happened. Like you said, the guy had to, like, break it down frame by frame to try to analyze where it actually happened. You know, to see him go down like that and to hear later on, he blew his ACL doing that? Wow. You know, that's like, that was really a surprise uh, to me, you know. And like I said, as a football fan, you don't like to see that happen to to anybody. As a Bear fan, like I said, I'm, you know, breathing a sigh of relief that Jordy Nelson is not one of the people that's going to be hurting us uh, on Sunday. Now, speaking of, of, you know, guys on the team, you know, making the roster and such, were there any cuts that the pack made in that final 53 that, uh that surprised you or was there a surprise in somebody that they ended up keeping instead
0: yeah i think the bigger surprise uh, was at the third running back spot and and they had three young running backs kind of fighting for that position it was rajan neal who was a second year guy he was on the practice squad most of last year um and and was out with with an injury for a couple of weeks last year um, i think he was kind of the favorite coming out of camp because he was a really good receiver out of the backfield um, he showed some some great hands, some really good uh, yards after the catch, and I think everybody really kind of thought that he was going to be the guy to to get that third running back spot, and that was probably the biggest shock of of anyone when uh, when his name came came up on the cut list that uh, that he was out. Um, John Crockett was another; uh, he's a rookie running back out of North Dakota State. He had a great college career. Everybody was kind of hoping that he might take the job, but it didn't work out for him. And It turned out to be Alonzo Harris, who's He's a six-one. I think he's about 240, so he's just a, a beast of a, a running back physically. And I think the thought process with keeping him is that his running style is most similar to Eddie Lacy's, so if for some reason something were to happen to Lacy, you can basically plug in Harris at that same spot, and you don't really have to change your philosophy on offense. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably what did it for, uh, for the Packers. He certainly ran with some authority, he, he, you know, he made some real nice plays in the preseason and in camp. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was certainly a well-earned spot, but I think everybody kind of expected the team to go with Neal instead. So that was one of the big surprises. Uh, a couple of the other ones that caught us maybe off guard a little bit because Ted Thompson likes to hold on to his draft picks um, about as long as he possibly can. But the, the draft class from 2014 really has, has not panned out in, in, as far as the depth goes. Hmm. Um, certainly Adams looks good as a second rounder. Ha Clinton Dix looked really good um, towards the end of last year. And then Richard Rodgers, the third-round pick, has been good. But this year in camp, they cut a third-round pick in Kyrie Thornton on the defensive line. They cut the fourth-round pick, linebacker uh, Carl Bradford. And then they cut the fifth-round pick, Jared Aberderis, the wide receiver, um, who anyone in Wisconsin knows is you know, he's a former Badger, and he was a fan favorite. Everybody was really hoping that he was going to make the team. Problem with Aberderis is he had a concussion the first day of camp and he didn't come back until there were three practices and one preseason game left and that just wow. looked enough yeah. time to make the roster. But uh, Bradford and Thornton, you know, I think just based on their draft status, uh, where they were picked, I think they were. That's kind of why they were a little bit of surprises. But I think even the bigger surprise than than those two getting cut was the fact that the Patriots actually claimed Thornton off of waivers, which shocked the hell out of all of us because um, Thornton has has been extremely disappointing in, in every aspect of his game um, since he, he came out of Southern Miss last year. So the fact that anybody was even willing to take a roster spot on him um, was kind of a shocker.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the game. You know, we're, we're, we're going into this thing. It's a, it's a brand-new season for both teams. This is probably the only time all year that both teams will have the same record going into the <laughs> football game because I doubt that when we play Week 12 We'll both be, you know, seven and three or seven and four, or, you know, whatever the case may be around that time of the uh, season. Now, I, I, you know, I, I am an optimist as far as hopefully the, you know, the Bears can make a game of this thing. You know, John Fox has a has a reputation for, at the very least, putting well-coached teams on the field. And I was actually reading a, a stats earlier this week that was saying that uh, the Bears' margin of uh, you know i guess a victory if you want to call it that in the second half was the highest in the entire nfl during the preseason they actually did not allow a point in the second half of any game which speaks to the fact that you know even though you got third and se- third second third and fourth guys on the field these are at least well coached teams so from that point of view let's pretend that this is going to be an even matchup what does green bay have to do in order to win this game on sunday
0: well, I think ultimately it it it's cliche, but it comes down to running the ball. Um, without without Nelson and with a, a limited at best Randall Cobb, um, you know, you, again, you could end up with Devonte Adams, James Jones being your starting receivers. And if that's the case, Eddie Lacy really going to have to have a good day on the ground and as well as um, receiving out of the backfield. So on, on offense, um, you know, certainly Rodgers can can do a lot with um, with marginal receivers. He's certainly had the benefit of, of having some great ones in Green Bay, but um, I don't think there's any, um, any doubt that Packers fans have that, that he can do um, some great things just to a lesser extent with, with some younger and, and less physically talented receivers. But, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to the running game, and then on the other side of the ball, it's, it's all about turnovers, and, and certainly with uh, Jay Cutler under center for the Bears, the Packers have had their share of turnovers in the last several years. So it's it's kind of all a matter of uh, making sure that you can k- keep that success up. And uh, if you can jump out to a big lead early, that's that's obviously going to help because then you can't get Matt Forte going on the ground. Right. Uh, then you can key on him in the passing game and, and go from there. I, I do think that um, the Packers secondary matches up well with the Bears this this week, especially with, with Kevin White not there and with Alshon Jeffrey going to be banged up. Um, you know, If Eddie Royal is your top receiver, you've got guys in, in – Micah Hyde, Casey Hayward, guys who can cover out of the slot, and um, they, they can do a real good job on Royal, I think. And certainly Martellus Bennett's, I think, going to be the, the big weapon for the Bears. If they're going to have a big day on offense, it's going to be Bennett who's going to be um, the key to them having a, a real good performance on offense. But ultimately, it's, you know, it, again, it's cliche, but run the ball, take the ball away, and, um, and the Packers will do the job and, and come out with a victory.
1: Right. Well, I I had similar keys uh, for the Bears. Now about those turnovers with with Cutler, that's one of my one of my keys is avoid mistakes. So they've been kind of penalty ridden in in the preseason. Um, but uh, one of the one of my keys, I put three of them down, was avoid mistakes, penalties slash turnovers. As far as those turnovers, a lot more were. <laughs> I'm going to have to say a lot more were given than were earned by Green Bay just because, you know, Jay did you a solid a few times uh just because he can't help himself at at, at times, but he's been turnover free in the in the preseason this year and so far uh, you know what I've been hearing is that he's also been pretty much turnover free in practice as well. Hopefully that translates onto the field when the games uh start to count. Uh the other keys that I had and you know, if you agree with me, on this one is, uh, number one, like on defense, we have to get after Rodgers. And I don't mean pressure him because he doesn't fold under pressure. I mean, we have to get to him and actually knock him down and sack him and, and you know try to create opportunities there. I mean, it's the one good thing Mache or Shea McClellan has done with his entire <laughs> career is, is knocking Aaron oh. Rodgers out of that Monday night game back in 2013. He has been non-existent since then, even though he's found himself on the field pretty much continuously throughout his entire career as a matter of fact he's going to be one of your starting inside linebackers on sunday so look towards the middle of the field if you got any touch with rogers tell him that's where he wants to key because that's where mcclellan's going to be so getting after rogers sacking him not just pressuring him because pressuring him doesn't do anything but heighten the senses so that he can find people easier and uh the other the third one aside from avoiding mistakes is to finish drives on offense that was a big problem for the Bears offense was that we got, I think, four or five field goals from our starters and zero touchdowns. So if we cross the goal line against Green Bay on Sunday, it'll be the first time that our starters have done it at all.
0: Oof. Well, yeah, I think um, I think you're right on with those. I think, um, like you said, pressure on Rodgers is key and, and doing it with four or five guys is, is always critical for Rodgers. Good point. You know, anytime you bring extra blitzers, you bring, you know, bring five, six guys. Um, he's gonna, he processes information so quickly that mm-hmm. he's going to be able to, to identify where those guys are coming from um, and, and get the ball to the receiver who's going to be in that spot. So finding a way to do that with four or five guys is going to be critical. Um, and Vic Fangio has always had some pretty good success with his, um, with his 49ers defenses of doing that, of finding a way to get to Rodgers, um, even with only bringing three and four uh, people in the rush. So I'll be interested to see um, how much of, of Fangio's success is as far as his scheme goes or if it was the fact that he had some really, really ridiculously good talent to work with in San Francisco on that defense. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and, and say that um, you know that, that talent level is significantly better than what's what's on the Bears roster right now, and I think that's going to make a, a huge difference as far as the, the effectiveness of those schemes. But um, that's kind of the, the way I'm looking at it at this point.
1: Right. it's that's it's not a big stretch to uh, <laughs> to make that conclusion. Um, you know I, I do always kind of you know ever since we hired Fangio, I always do kind of think back to what the 49er defense was like before he came to town and they had most of those guys on the roster before Fangio got there and it was Fangio's scheme that turned those guys from solid players into all pros and you know a, a, an all-star defense that that won them playoff games and got them to a Super Bowl. Uh, one year so i 'd like to think that coaching is going to have some effect because God knows we 've been absent of coaching on defense since Lovey left town so um you know it's it would be nice to to at least be in the ball game going into the into the uh, fourth quarter so that 's um basically my biggest my biggest hope is that it 's still a ball game going into the into the end of the uh, into the football game, so you know I was like I hate to sound like we 're waving the white flag and just conceding <laughs> defeat here but it 's you know, it it is what it is, and I and I mentioned on, you know, in in a in my last episode, and I also mentioned when I was talking to Ron on football as America that, you know, you it, the preseason is the preseason, you take it with a grain of salt because, you know, everybody's favorite example, the Detroit Lions in 8 four and O in the preseason, 0 and sixteen in the regular season, so going undefeated in the preseason really didn't mean a thing, but it's hard to ignore what's been going on with the Bears in the preseason as far as the fact that they haven't been able to put the ball in the end zone and the fact that they haven't been exactly stellar on the defensive side. And here we have the most talented, you know, out of the four teams that we played, Green Bay is more talented than any of those teams. And, you know, the other teams kind of made it look easy moving the football. So it kind of makes you, you know, choke it back a little bit. You're kind of worried about uh, what could happen on Sunday when we, when, when the, you know they turn Rodgers loose on Soldier Field. So um, a couple more things before I let you go here. Um, you know Mike McCarthy, I got a lot of respect for the guy. He's probably one of the one of the smarter coaches uh, in the in the entire league. He's been a hugely successful in in Green Bay when I thought that it was, the most ridiculous hire I had ever seen when they took him uh, to be the head coach. Just because, you know, he was offensive coordinator in New Orleans and then he was offensive coordinator in San Francisco, who at the time were a couple of the worst offenses in the league when he was calling the plays. It's like, and this is the guy that you're choosing to go forward from here? That's that's insane. Well, you know, smack me in the face. I was completely wrong about that. But you you wouldn't think that McCarthy would be the kind of guy that would provide an opponent with bulletin board material but at a was like a luncheon for season ticket holders or something like that
0: yeah yeah it was it was the packers welcome back luncheon. they they do this every year and they have a big deal in the atrium where everybody kind of comes in and it's for a lot of the donors and the the, the local um, some of the local businesses and sponsors and things yep
1: so he, he goes out and his closing line to this the speech about uh, you know how the preseason is going is that we'll proudly take the field as the 95th you know uh, team in the history of the Green Bay Packers when we kick Chicago's ass. Like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know what? it's And the funny thing was, John Fox was like, I've seen the tape. They should be confident. So it's not like John Fox is trying to throw barbs back at, at Mike McCarthy. But it's just like, you know, I I, th- I th- not so much that he said it. Well Actually, it was surprising that he said it. it. You know, it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to say it. And it's just that you never picture McCarthy being the kind of guy that would provide an opponent regardless of their talent level with any kind of bulletin board material because this is football funny things can happen when you're when your opponent is more motivated than usual
0: yeah it's it's interesting because you know i'm kind of, of the school of thought that if you can't get motivated for a home game against your biggest rival in week one of the nfl season without something like that well you're doing something wrong right so i you know frankly i don't know how much effect it's gonna have i don't i don't I don't think it's really going to fire up the the Bears any more than they would already be <laughs> fired up. To be perfectly honest. And
1: but what did you think I, of the comment?
0: Oh, I loved it. Me, me and just you know every other Packers fan out there, we we loved it. We would like to hear that kind of passion and uh, and excitement out of the head coach, and and certainly the the fact that he uh, he's confident coming into this week. It's it's a good thing. But um, he he also followed that up with uh, in a press conference. He was he was joking the other day that uh, he he doesn't talk to the football team like he talks to the Chamber of Commerce. So nice. That's, uh, he, he, he kind of back, I guess he, you could say he backtracked a little bit on it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's, it, it, as far as that goes, you know, he was certainly playing to the crowd and, and telling them what they, saying to them what they wanted to hear. Right. And, um, and it, it, it did the job. It got the guys fired up. It got, uh, it got everybody going there at the, at the luncheon and everybody was having a good time. And, um, I, to, I, I don't think I really read too much into it other, other than, you know, he's confident, but, um, that's, don't, don't think of it as a mark of an overconfident head coach. He's, he's too smart a guy. He knows all too well, based on the last competitive game that we played, what crazy things can happen in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be too, too concerned about, uh, you know, McCarthy looking past Chicago to get to Seattle in week Two by any means.
1: Right. Well, and then I just got one more thing for you, uh, before I let you go here, Evan. Um, I was on the uh, Football as America show uh, last week, and we were kind of doing our season predictions, uh, breaking down who was going to win the division, who's going to the playoffs, Super Bowl, uh, and so on. And, of course, of the the three of us, uh, myself, Kyle, and and Ron, Green Bay across the board, we had them winning the NFC North. Um, I think we all kind of differed on what seed they would end up with, just because we all have differing opinions on what Philly and uh, Seattle and all that kind of stuff are going to do. But uh, Ron, Ron Rugg, who's basically the, 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 the head of the show over there at Football's America, has a Pittsburgh-Green Bay rematch in the Super Bowl uh, this year. Unfortunately, he does not have, pits, has, does not have Green Bay winning uh, this rematch, but he does have the Packers representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So at the very least, he has them righting the wrong that was in Seattle last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I can't argue with that pick. <laughs> I'm I'm fully in favor of that. But um.
1: you could try a little bit, <laughs> at least. It's like, well, I don't know. We're gonna make the Super Bowl. I mean, we'll be good, but I don't know. So
0: I mean, this this is a team that um, that has Super Bowl expectations. I mean, you were any one of five different plays away from making it last year, and yeah. I think you know Packers fans were supremely confident that if they had beaten Seattle, that we would have we would have defeated New England in the Super Bowl last year. So. Um, it's, it's, it's the goal, and it's, it should be the goal of any team, obviously, but um, I think it's, it's definitely within sight for this team. Um, as I, I think it's really that Week 2 game against Seattle is going to potentially end up deciding home field in the NFC, um, kind of like it did last year, where uh, you know in Week 1 in Seattle, Green Bay goes out and loses, and that ends up uh, being, the, being the kicker. So I think this year it's going to be the same thing, except um, now that we finally get the Seahawks at Lambeau for once, I think we're gonna we're gonna unleash a little bit of pent up frustration on them next week, and uh, and get a win against those guys for once. And um, I think that's gonna end up being the being the clincher to to get the Packers home field advantage. And uh, as we've seen many 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 times, you don't want to come into Green Bay as a road team in January and try to you know, try to advance in the playoffs. So uh,
1: unless you're the New York Giants. Well,
0: uh, they, I don't <laughs> think they're making the playoffs anyway. Well, so I don't think so either. That's so a you guys, story. <laughs> you guys might be
1: safe <laughs> this year, but, uh, you know, pretty much anybody else has trouble winning out there in Lambeau. But the Giants, they, they, they treat it like it's the Meadowlands out there. They just go out there and do what they need to do. Yep. But, All right, yep. Evan. Yep. Well, thanks so much, Uh uh, for being on the show, and I, and I would like to tell you on behalf of all the Bear fans, I don't want you to cry too hard if we win this game <laughs> on Sunday because it's only week one, and, w- you know, we, you get us back on Thanksgiving night on there's no way in hell Chicago's winning this game night, uh, you know, when they retire Brett Favre's jersey yep. uh, on Thanksgiving. So you'll at least get that one back. And, you know, <laughs> who knows? Maybe the football gods will sprinkle a little extra fairy dust on the field and you get another repeat of last, last year's Sunday night game. On Thanksgiving when the whole world is watching. So maybe that'll happen for you guys if the Bears were the hell freeze over and and win this game uh, on Sunday. So just don't uh, just don't take it too bad because it's just week one. Stranger things have happened on week one. In my opinion week one like week 17 is the hardest week of the season to pick because you're basing all of your picks on what happened last year and what you think is going on when everything could be completely different. So
0: agreed uh agreed 100 on that and yeah yeah, week week one is always fascinating i'm at this point i'm just excited to get it started and we've we've had a long long you know seven or eight months off and finally we're we're less than 48 hours away so let's let's get it going absolutely
1: (laughs) so we'll we'll uh we'll we'll, we got a short week there in november because we got the the thursday night thanksgiving but uh We'll uh, we'll we'll stay in touch and see if maybe we can get you back on before that Thanksgiving game. How's that sound?
0: That sounds great, man. Thanks again for having me on. As always, go pack. Go. Yeah. You always got to throw that in there, don't you?
1: Evan Western, Acme Packing Company from SB Nation, talking Packers Bears week one. And of course, I want to thank Evan Weston for being on the show again, being a great sport. You know actually, it's probably us that has to be the great sport, considering that uh it just hasn't been fun to be in the same division with the Packers for quite some time now, so aside from like o five and o six <laughs> when the when the Bears were winning the division uh, and and that, that that unexpected sweep in two thousand and seven, those three years, aside from that. Not a lot of fun sharing the division uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Been a lot more losses than wins. So as excited as we Bear fans can get for that rivalry game with Green Bay, more times than not for over the you know, the recent past, it's been an unhappy weekend uh, for Bear fans, especially unhappy for me considering that I am kind of in a melting pot of NFL fandom being here in the Quad City area. Uh, about 200 miles west of my hometown of Chicago. This is a Chicago market, so that as far as TV is concerned, the Bears are the team. But as far as fandom is concerned, it is all over the place. I've met Steeler fans. A, a very good friend of mine is a Buffalo Bills fan. My roommate right now is actually a Miami Dolphins fan. Don't ask me how that happened. But, uh, you know, I met Raiders fans. Uh, as far as, like, the, the geometry of the area or uh, – geography not geometry geography Do we, um the ge- geography of the area um, you have Minnesota's close by Green Bay isn't far obviously Chicago st. Louis is only three and a half hours away so you get a lot of you know a lot of those fans and then you sprinkle it in with Raiders Steelers bills whoever the flavor of the month happens to be out here because this team in this area doesn't necessarily have uh, a team but uh, you know the bears and the packers are the two big teams in the area and um you know it just sucks going to work when you have packer fans in the building with you so you don't have fellow bear fans to kind of share in your pain you have packer fan douchebags who are excited that the bears uh lost to green bay again so hopefully i will be a happy guy on monday and be able to be like <laughs> on uh you know on monday to my uh to my Packer uh, brethren, if you will. So, but uh, again, want to thank Evan Western for coming on the show. And like I said, we have that short week uh, in November between, you know, from the Sunday game against the Broncos on November 22nd to that Thursday night Thanksgiving game against Green Bay uh in uh, as i called it in the talk with evan western the no way in hell chicago is winning this night game because they're retiring brett Favre's jersey at lambeau on national tv just you know if i didn't like their chances against week one against the packers week one in chicago i sure as hell don't like them on national tv on thanksgiving on brett Favre jersey retirement night. it's just not looking forward to that game at all so uh you know we'll try to see if we can work something work something out get Evan on the show to preview that matchup because week twelve you know stranger things have happened in the NFL first year coaches have done amazing things uh with their teams we'll see if the Bears can be one of the lucky few to have a successful uh season under a first year head coach uh if not we'll be talking about <laughs> hey what's Green Bay's outlook look like for the rest of the year or or whatever so It'll be interesting, but we'll try to get him back on. He's game for it. We've had a nice time talking to him both times we've had him on the show. So look forward to having him back on uh, again. So, and then as I said, uh, you know, review episodes. That's my bread and butter. I know you guys love that knee-jerk reactions. We'll be back, and we'll have bear up and bear down. We'll be back as well. Looking forward to doing that for you guys on Monday. Uh, to take care of the review episode and get ready for week two with the Arizona Cardinals, where we will have Jess Root from RevengeOfTheBirds.com on the show to preview the matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. So that's just the that's just a little bit of a look ahead to what we have here coming for you on the Chicago Bears Review. So that is going to do it for the week one preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Uh, check me out on Twitter. I am going to try and, and live tweet as much as I can for this game. I I'm, Every time I say that I want to do it, I get like six plays into the game, and then all of a sudden I'm watching it too much to even bother with my phone or tweet or anything like that. I promise I'll try to stick with it as best I can if you guys are come and follow me at Shy Bears Review on Twitter. Converse with me. Ask me questions. That will keep me focused and into it. So it's up to you guys to keep me focused and into the game on Sunday as far as tweeting is concerned. And uh, it will be a group effort. So you guys got to do your part if you want me to do mine so come in out there and check me out on twitter on sunday we'll live tweet this thing and hopefully we'll all be you know virtually high-fiving each other across internet land as we happily watch our bears beat down the green bay packers on sunday knock on wood that that takes place so if not we'll talk about how it all went to hell on monday with the pre with the review episode knee jerk reactions bear up bear down we'll all be back So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.